Listen. Just listen. I'm Shannon Sullivan, and this is the Second Story Podcast. Second Story is Serendipity Theatre Collective's hybrid performance series of stories, wine, and music. A collaboration among writers, actors, musicians, and others to create good stories and good times. The stories are written by the performers themselves, sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, always thought-provoking. And now, Second Story Storyteller, J.C. Avalotis. An impossibly long streamer of clear fluid stretched slowly from Brother Dan's nose. It's strange, I thought to myself, that I'm sitting here watching this angry old man preach in this little room. Spittle flew from Brother Dan's mouth, and I worried for the carpeted floor, the the microphone in front of him. He was a wiry old Pentecostal with a flat top. He wore a short sleeve button down and faded dickies. His voice cracked as he pronounced homosexuality an abomination. God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, and in the book of Leviticus... I winced, and not just from the speakers in my headphones rattling and squeaking. I adjusted the studio mic's levels, and Brother Dan thundered on, oblivious to the river flowing from his nose. Will I have to clean that up, I thought? And how the hell did I get here, wondering whether I'll have to clean up this angry old man's mucus? The answers to those questions were as follows. Yes, I would have to clean up Brother Dan's snot. It was not the only time I would have to do this. And the way I got there, watching Brother Dan spew phlegm and righteousness, was that a few months earlier, I had decided I was done with religion. It was spring 1997, and I was 18. For my entire life before, I had been very Catholic. But the hierarchy, the thought that enough authority could answer any questions, these things bothered me. I was 18 and indulging in a growing sense of intellectual rebellion. Then, one Sunday in spring, a priest at my church decided to clarify who was in charge. The Catholic Church is not a democracy, Father John said, jabbing the air with his index finger. If you have a question, the answer comes from one of three sources. Sacred scripture, sacred tradition, or the sacred authority of the Pope. That was the moment I realized I could decide to stop attending Mass. So the next Sunday, my mom came in to wake me for church, as she had done on every previous Sunday. Church in an hour, she said, I'm not going, I said, sitting up in my bed. What, are you sick? No, I'm just not going. I should have paid attention to my mom's face tightening, her hands clenching and unclenching in her lap. My mom should have said, I think a lot of it is bullshit too, but we go together and that's what matters. (laughs) I think that would have been true, But love and religion and guilt and devotion are easily blurred, so instead my mom said, but but it's almost Easter. (laughs) And because I didn't really understand what we were talking about, and because I thought and still sort of believe that if something's funny enough, it's okay to say out loud, I said, yeah, I know. I've thought a lot about it, and I am giving up Catholicism for Lent. (laughs) 
we were quiet for a while. Then my mom stood and left my room, pulling the door quietly shut behind her. So I was available later that spring when a teacher recommended me to some friends of his. They were looking for someone to cover nights and weekends for the summer at their AM radio station. WGFS AM 1340 in Covington, Georgia. Covington was about 20 minutes from the Atlanta suburb where I lived. It wasn't exactly rural, but it wasn't far off. WGFS was one of those stations whose signal was so weak you could barely hear the crazy preacher through the static. It was one of those stations you tune into for a moment out of morbid curiosity before you change the channel, grateful to live somewhere and not nowhere. But I was 18. I was harboring unreasonable fantasies about life as a writer slash director slash public intellectual. WGFS, an odd dead end in the strange world of Southern AM radio, seemed like a great idea. A tall, round kid, barely older than me, met me at the door when I showed up for my interview. His name was Brian, and it turned out he had graduated from my high school a few years ahead of me. Brian gave me the tour, which didn't take long. There was a small, dirty office and two booths. So this is where it all happens, Brian said. We mainly do rebroadcasts. During the baseball season, we air Braves games, and I have a call-in sports show on Fridays. How many people listen, I asked. Brian paused. Well, well right now there's you and me, so that's like two. <laughs> the main part of your job, wait, 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 so I got the job? Well, probably, we need somebody real bad, Brian said. <laughs> Brian pointed out the small studio adjacent to the booth we occupied, visible through a large sheet of soundproofed glass. It had a standing microphone and a few folding chairs. And there is where we broadcast Sunday morning on WGFS, Brian said. Every Sunday morning, from 7 a.m. to noon, WGFS sold airtime to local church groups. Half-hour slots, live, back-to-back, for five hours. <laughs> You'll make sure that whoever is listening hears them, Brian said. And so every Sunday morning, from my high school graduation until I started college, instead of sitting in church with my family, I would be watching Brother Dan work himself into a frothing, snotting fury. I traded an hour of doubt each week for five hours of nonstop Jesus. It never really occurred to me that I could just not take the job. I felt really guilty about not going to church, and so I think Sunday morning on WGFS was a kind of penance. I gave up Catholicism in a very Catholic way. I didn't, I didn't realize this at the time, of course. I just knew that sitting in Mass and sitting through Sunday morning on WGFS felt similar. Both made me feel very distant from people capable of belief. As I watched Brother Dan and the other broadcasters, the glass separating us felt miles thick. Before Brother Dan was a large, warm singer named Shivanda. Like the rest of the presenters, she was always prompt and genuinely courteous. Morning, young man, she'd say, doing well? Yes, ma'am, I'd say, everything's fine. Well, praise God for that. As we spoke, Shivanda would reach into her enormous purse. 
30 minutes of airtime cost $50. She would pull out crumpled bills and sigh as she presented them to me. I always felt a bit awkward taking the cash. These churches and families paid their hard-earned money to transmit religion to the tiny listening area of WGFS. Somehow it made me sad. Once she was in the booth, Shivanda would close, out, close her eyes and belt out a cappella hymns. I don't know anything about music, but to this day, I remember her as one of the finest singers I have ever heard. Something haunted me, though, about Shivanda and her heart-achingly gorgeous songs in that small, empty room. I couldn't shake my suspicion that Shivanda was pouring her heart out and that nobody was listening anywhere. If Shivanda worried about it, it never showed. She was as happy and warm after her show as before. She would wrap up, wish me well, and leave the studio. Brother Dan, who was next, would be waiting in the hallway. Good morning, Miss Shivanda. Morning, Brother Dan. I was fascinated by this place where people that don't normally talk to each other greeted one another by name. In side-by-side -side time slots, you could hear all manner of Southern religion. They all paid their $50. They all took their turn in the little studio, reaching out to whoever was listening. Brother Dan was thundering away. The Catholic Church is the whore of Babylon, he shouted as the next presenter showed up. the gospel starlighters. Four elderly African-American men in phenomenal suits with matching metallic blue ties presented me with a check from their church. The gospel starlighters advertised themselves as the oldest practicing gospel quartet in the state of Georgia, as in no one else their age was doing anything remotely like this. To a man, they all topped 70. They brought a snare, an electric guitar, and an electric bass. They couldn't really hear the instruments, so they turned the amps up all the way. <laughs> then they couldn't hear their voices, so they just shouted. Audience or no audience, I had no trouble believing that there was something plainly true and good about four men on the precipice of their own mortality, rattling the walls with songs like Will the Circle Be Unbroken? Fornicators, Brother Dan squawked from next door. Courtesy prevented the Starlighters and I from commenting on what we heard, but I saw the looks they gave each other. Brother Dan wrapped up right on time as usual, and I killed his mic. I played my film music, some bland choral hymn. One minute, gentlemen, I said to the Starlighters, and I headed into the booth with some towels. Brother Dan stood in the middle of the room, blinking and out of breath. How'd I sound? Loud, Brother Dan, good and loud, I said, rubbing down the mic and the carpet as best I could. Brother Dan nodded and watched me. So you like working all these machines in there? I thought about it. Yeah, I do. Brother Dan nodded some more. Good, that's good. A young man ought have a skill. And you say you're starting college in the fall? Yes, sir, that's right. Good, Brother Dan said, that's good. He fished in his pants pocket. Here, he held out a shaking hand. 
You're a good boy and it's a big world. I hope God blesses you. I held out my hand. Brother Dan dropped a single quarter onto my palm. I wanted to find it ridiculous, Brother Dan and his blessing and his quarter. But I knew that Brother Dan was utterly sincere and that that sincerity was all he had. Thanks, Brother Dan. I'll see you next week. Brother Dan blinked at me for a few moments longer, once again a bewildered old man in an empty room. He slowly exited the booth, wishing the Starlighters well on his way out. One of the Starlighters stuck his head in the door. All clear, he asked. Good to go, I said. Have a good show. It's been almost a decade since I left Georgia, but part of me remains at WGFS. I still sit in that rundown radio station, working the switches of equipment that's rapidly becoming obsolete. To my right is a wall of soundproof glass through which I can see into an adjacent room. In the center of that small room, there's a microphone. Through the glass, I watch Brother Dan and Shivanda and the Gospel Starlighters. Through the glass, I watch them all. And I wonder if there's anyone listening. J.C. Avalotis. If his story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. Please join us for our ongoing series at Webster's Wine Bar and our inaugural monthly performance series at the Morseland on December 16th, or one of our upcoming special events. This December 31st, join us at Red Kiva to celebrate the new year, and at Maxim's on December 10th for What's New and What's Next in Chicago Publishing, hosted by the Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs. Visit our website for more details. Second Story Podcast is brought to you by Amanda Delheimer, Megan Steelstra, Shannon Sullivan, Miles Pulaski, Mikhail Fixel, and Nick Kawahara. I am Shannon Sullivan. Serendipity is funded in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the Illinois Arts Council, a state agency, the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, City Arts Grants, the Chicago Community Foundation, a part of the Chicago Community Trust, and listeners just like you. To find out more about Second Story, the performances, and our performers, or to make a donation, visit us at storiesandwine.com.